You know, you saw a little bit of our video, what we're doing in the Philippines. Most of our ministry is with the unreached. And I want to just give you a little bit of background on us. Uh, we are from Paradise, California, originally from Southern California, but we moved up here when I was uh, pregnant with our first child in 1975. And Don and I were married in a Hindu Christian church. Praise God for the scripture you said today, that those who are diligently seeking for God are going to find him. Amen? Uh, we were in a denominational church as children. Don was actually called as a pastor when he was six years old, and I was called as a missionary when I was 10 years old in Sunday school. But when we got to be teenagers, it was the late 60s. How many of you were in late 60s as teenagers? <laughs> okay, a real time of rebellion, right? And so we drifted away, um, got into the new age. But we, we know in our church, we didn't see the power of God. We didn't see people's lives being changed. We didn't hear about a gospel that changed people. And we were hungry for a God of power that could really change us. We just saw a social gospel. We saw things in the church that we didn't think were right. Uh, our pastor's son was on drugs. Praise God, he protected us from drugs. We never got into that. But we definitely drifted away into the new age. And so we ended up in paradise. We actually became leaders in the new age up there. We had a home for motion disturbed children. And we were not peaceful. Anyway, I'm not going to tell all of, our, all of our story. But because of those children, we began to take them to charismatic meetings. And we began to see the power of God changing people. And the Lord reminded us, he's God. He's not just one of those prophets. We were attacked, uh, one of those teachers. We were attracted to these New Age people because they were sincere. They would med meditate all night long. They, they had Jesus on the altar. And you know, most cults, that's what they do. They put a little bit of Jesus in, right? A little bit of the Bible in just to make it. I don't know, palatable, I guess, to, to Christians who don't know any better or people who don't know anything. Uh, but praise God that he is the rewarder of those who are diligently seeking him. And I love what Pastor Doug said today, that he rewards us as we continue to diligently seek him, right? We continue to want him in our lives. So as we came back to the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, we ended up in Bible school in Sacramento, Assembly of God Bible School. You know Pastor Jerry and Harlan Matson? Okay, so they were in our graduating class. <laughs> so we have very close friends that are Foursquare pastors. Anyway, um, in Bible school, we didn't know what the Lord was calling us to do. And a missionary came through, and he said, you can know the place that God's calling you to be. And both Don and I, being very new in the Lord, saw this word surigao, S-U-R-I-G-A-O. And so we looked on a map, because usually God gives you a name of a country, Right? So we looked, and all we could find was Suriname, which is in South America. And we have never felt called to South America. We've always felt drawn to Southeast Asia. So we said, well, if this is God, he'll bring it to pass. And maybe today you're going to receive a prophetic word and you don't understand it. If it's God, it'll come to pass. Amen? Just let it be on the back burner. You don't have to understand it all. Amen? So as we were in Bible school, uh, a man came through and said, there are unreached people. There are people that have never heard about Jesus. 2.5 billion people in the world today have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That with all of our TV and all of our radio and all of our technology, there are people that live in tribal areas that have never been touched by the gospel. Or maybe because of, even with the technology that they may have, they may never turn on a Christian station. They need to see someone go and represent Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that became our hearts. Lord, send us where people do not know about Jesus. And put a really long story short, really short. Um, 
is how much I will cut out because <laughs> I want to tell you how we got to the Philippines. Okay, so we are in Southern California. We got trained, but we waited five years. The Lord prepared us for five years before we were finally sent out to the Philippines in 1987. And the way that happened, we didn't want to go to the Philippines. Uh, the Philippines was known as the only Christian nation in Southeast Asia. And our hearts are, God, send us, send us uh, to where people don't know Jesus. But this man, part of our ministerial association, called. And he said, I understand that you are missionaries. And Don said, no, we're not missionaries because we've never been overseas yet. We haven't done that yet. He said, well, I understand you want to go to the Philippines. Again, Don said, no, we don't want to go there. But this man was persistent. He came and he met with us just one night. And he said, I have this Bible college. And it is in uh, Tondog. He said, Tondog in Mindanao. And I've been trying for eight years, eight years to get a Filipino couple to come up and just run it. I have everything prepared. I have the, how, uh, the buildings. I have the teachers. I have the students. But I don't have a director. I don't, have teach, uh, I don't have someone to oversee it all. So Don and I said, okay, if this is you, God, at this time we had four children, ages 3 to 12, said, God, if this is you, we will, we will pray and fast. And so we prayed and fast for seven days. Seventh day, we got a letter from him in the Philippines. I don't know how the mail traveled that fast, but seven days. And he said, I've accepted you into our, our ministry. And Don and I had not even applied. We didn't even do any of that, okay? So it's okay, well, this guy's opening the door, right? And then uh, we said, okay, Lord, we don't have any funds. Uh, we were just living a normal Christian life, right? We have a little bit of savings, but not much. If it's you, we need money. Uh, we need a, t a plane ticket. And we only had faith for one way. Just get us there. Because Jesus was coming, right? Jesus is supposed to come before we had teenagers. Now we have six grandchildren. <laughs> and, you know, God's timing is just not uh, my timing, right? He's <laughs> very, very late on my time scale. Anyway, so we prayed. And the Lord, in one day's mail, the travel agent said, you, get this, you need to pay for this ticket now. It's $1,500. Two other letters from people that didn't know anything about what we were praying for. One of them for a check for $500 and the other check for 1,000, exactly what we needed. So I said, well, God, this must be you. So we ended up going. Uh, 1987, there was a coup attempt in Manila uh, a week before we were supposed to get on the plane. Our mission director got stuck in the mountains. He couldn't get to the airport. And he calls Don and says, are you still coming? And what does Don say? It's, our tickets are non-refundable. Of course we're coming. <laughs> Who cares if there's machine guns in the street and what do you call those big armalite things? <laughs> anyway, praise God. We went and God began to open doors for us. As we got there, we went to this area that is very remote. We found out why no Filipinos wanted to go there. It was a communist area. There was a communist revolution happening in the area, which we didn't know about. <laughs> our mission director didn't tell that. Tell us that. He was a man of vision because when we got there, there were no buildings completed. There was, there was a half a building that our family's supposed to live in, and we're supposed to start a Bible college, but there's only half a building. And inside the building are motorcycles and centipedes on the wall. It's a wonderful place to bring four children, right? <laughs> That's a really a remote area. Electricity had only been there for five years, so we often had brownouts. That's what they call them. Anyway, um, it was a very difficult situation to walk into. Also, no teachers and no students. So this man was really a man of vision. Uh, but we were brought there to bring life to his vision, to bring fruition to his vision. And I sense that in this church, that Pastor Doug has a vision. And you are brought alongside him to fulfill that vision that God has given him for this area. Amen? 
What's that scripture that says, without a vision, a people perish, but also without a people, a vision will perish. So the Lord allowed us to go into this really remote area, and within six years, we had built nine buildings by the sweat of the students that were working scholars, and we had raised up a ministry that we trained over 350 people, most of them still in the ministry today. We praise God for that. But more importantly, I believe, is that God has given us a prophetic prayer ministry where he allows us to be able to pull down things that don't need to be in the heavenlies so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be freely received by people. Amen? We saw a wonderful transformation in that community in the six years we were there. We were under another ministry. The, the director of it passed on, and God gave us a new vision, and this is what I want to leave you with. The name of our ministry is Our God Reigns Mission, and our, we are now reaching unreached people. Well, when, you got, when we got to the Philippines, we found out most of the people were unreached because they only belonged to a church. You can belong to this church and still not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? But everyone called themselves Christians, but they did not know Jesus Christ personally. So we realized that these are unreached people. But as they became born again and filled with the Holy Spirit on fire for God, God began to tell us Philippines did not need missionaries to come to them anymore, but God was raising up Filipinos as missionaries. Amen? That they are a tremendous people that can be used to reach the unreached in this last generation. We've been able to send out missionaries to Mongolia, Kazakhstan, Thailand, UAE, and India. Uh, but right now, we just have standing India and UAE. And I believe that God is going to begin to do a major shift in the Philippines, that there's going to be more and more Filipinos sent out. There's just a hunger in the hearts of the Filipinos. Sister Dina, did you uh, experience that when you were back just recently, that the, the Spirit of God is moving strongly in the church there? Amen. It's, it's like being in an ocean of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And I could get off and preach a lot more, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to end with a story so Pastor Don can share the, what he has for you. Um, so I want you to remember this story. I want you to remember us in this story. In the late 90s, our pastors had a, had a burden to go and reach the unreached in the mountain areas of tribal people. So most of the people that you saw in that video, they're from five different tribes in the mountains of Mindanao. They had not been reached by the church. They were animus. The way our ministry got started was that one of our pastors, being led by the Spirit of God, just like each one of us is led by the Spirit of God, saw this man in a, in a marketplace, and he looked really sad. And the Holy Spirit told him, go and talk to this man. So he went and talked to him. He, found, he asked him, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you so sad? And he said, well, I've been to all these doctors, and they've told me to go home and die because I have cancer. And our pastor said, well, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? And this man, who was a Datu, which is a chieftain of a tribal village, said, sure, I don't know who Jesus is, but sure, you can pray for me. Our pastor laid hands on him instantly, instantly that cancer was gone. The tumor disappeared. All the pain was gone. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can imagine Datu was very excited. He wanted our pastor to come up and tell his people about Jesus. So that's how that ministry began. One year later, Don and I are able to come and visit them for their one-year anniversary, a big celebration. And we had our youngest daughter, Miriam, who was 16 with us. And uh, it was all, it's, these areas are very remote. You could kind of think about the high country here in the Sierras when you're thinking about roads. Uh, but that doesn't really even compare. Anyway, so as we got close to the village, we were down in the, in the valley, and the village is in the mountains. We'd been traveling for about eight hours to get there, 
and they were going to have an opening night. Usually in the Philippines, opening night means people are walking hours to get to this first night, and they're hungry, and they want to eat and go to sleep because you don't have much ministry <laughs> opening night. You want them to get rested for the rest of the programs or the rest of the ministry. So we said, do you mind if we just rest and come up tomorrow morning? They said, sure, that's fine. So we go up this torturous road the next morning. Get up there. These people come out to us, and they're so disappointed. They say, why weren't you here last night? We really missed having you here. And Don and I are like, well, you know, what, what did we miss? Couldn't have been the food or, you know, usually you have a lechon boy, which is a whole roasted pig. Or Anyway, so we said, well, what, 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 what's so special? He said, we prepared for you our very special dish. We climbed up into the coconut trees, and we picked the little white worms. And we put them, these little white worms, into a vinegar, into a kinilau, a vinegar sauce. And it was all, it's only good if the worms are still alive. And we had to eat it all. And Don and I tried to look really disappointed. <laughs> Praise God. You know, we've never been tested in that before, again. <laughs> But inside, we're going, hallelujah. <laughs> we're so glad they ate it all. <laughs> so glad the worms did not live to morning, right? <laughs> but as I'm there, I begin to get really, really uncomfortable. And we travel to these remote areas. Um, Don and I are both 66. You know, as American women, we don't usually tell our age, right? But in the Philippines, everybody asks you how old you are. So I become very used to saying how old I am. But God has said that we can refire. We can refire for this generation. We also have an anointing similar to yours in terms of mom and dad, that there's a generation that needs our mentoring, amen, needs our training, that needs to know that there's a father that loves them. So anyway, as we're in this village, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm asking, Lord, what is going on? I should be so happy here. Even though I'm sleeping on a wood thing and there's no electricity and it's dusty and it's hot, what is going on? And the Lord showed me a picture. This is what I want you to remember. This, this picture is what I want you to remember about us. He showed me with Don and I, with our lives laid down. We were both face down. And across our backs were walking Filipinos. What our ministry is, is to train and equip and mentor and mother and father Filipinos who can walk across our lives to reach the unreached. We believe that we are on the verge of the greatest harvest this world has ever seen. Do you believe that? I believe it's true for Yuba City, Marysville area. Amen? That this whole area, that there is such a, there's a swelling in the spirit, that God's people are rising up with power and anointing, and most of all, with his love. Amen? To reach this generation. But under our bridge are people like you who are praying for us and supporting us. We believe that the more people that pray and support us, the more Filipinos will walk across our lives. We're, we're just so blessed that God has allowed us to be in the Philippines. I'm going to pass up a sign-up thing. If you guys could just sign up to receive our newsletters. If you're on Facebook, um, we're going to have a, what do you call that, a page, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I really noticed what you were saying, Pastor Doug. I was trying to get some Christian research through Google, and it, there was nothing coming up. It was all humanistic. So, yeah, they're really trying to, trying to shut us down. But as we got down from this mountain area, um, and if you sign up, we're going to give you a little tiny gift from Jerusalem, too. We were able to go to Israel and minister this last year. But anyways, I got down from this hill, this mountain, 
Uh, we found out another reason that I was so uncomfortable and why I was praying in tongues. Praise God of the gift of tongues, amen. Praise God that God has given you a prayer language because very often we don't know what we're praying for, amen. But we, I found out later after we got down, two men were trying to kidnap our 16-year-old beautiful daughter. Ah, so praise God he protected her, amen, protected us. And within one month, both of those men were killed, one in a street brawl, one in prison. But very quickly, it got spread within that tribal area, in the Manobo tribal area. Do not mess with the Arnie family, amen? God keeps care of his people. I don't know how the word travels. We found in the Philippines that the word travels faster without telephones. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So please remember us in prayer, um, and please sign up if you can. That we, we would love you for you to pray. And if you don't have time to read the newsletter, just pray and throw it in the circular file. That's fine. But if you hear the Philippines, think about Don and Barb that we are wanting to fulfill God's call in our lives to see the greatest harvest this world has ever seen and to, to allow trained Filipinos to be a part of that. Amen. Lord bless you. Pastor Don. <clears throat> give, that, give that to Pastor. Uh, yeah. Well... I'm going to just ask, uh, just going to get right into the message. I'm going to just ask uh, Pastor Doug if you would just come up and pray for the anointing of the ministry of the word. Absolutely. Father, we just uh, pray right now in the name of Jesus for your word to come forth by your spirit, Lord. Lord, we just right now in the name of Jesus open our hearts to you, O God, that your word would be proclaimed, God, and that we would hear it with spiritual ears and perceive it with our spiritual eyes, God. Transform us and change us, God, by who you are. And let your word speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love the motto of your church when I saw it on your website, to know him and to make him known. It's from the Anglican Book of Prayer. And that is a summary of the heart of God for the Bible, for his word, of his purposes and his plans, to know him and to make him known. This Bible begins with Genesis, ends with Revelation. It begins Genesis 1-1 with God. It ends in Revelation 22-21 with Jesus. But scholars and rabbis now tell us that Genesis 1-1 tells us the whole plan of God in that first verse. Genesis 1-1. It tells us that there was a man who is crucified on a wooden tree, and he is the savior of the world. Daniel said in the last days that wisdom and knowledge would increase. We often think of the Great Commission in terms of Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And that is very true. But the Great Commission did not start in the New Testament. It started in Matthew, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, when God made man in his image and likeness, and then he said to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? His image and likeness. Yeah, so the Great Commission, the heart of God, begins uh, in the very first book of the Bible. Not only that, we say that missions is in the Bible, rather it is a reverse. The 
missions as a basis for the Bible. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son as a missionary to seek and to save those who are lost. Are you there? God wills that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Missions exist because worship does not. Pastor Doug tells me he's been preaching a whole series on worship. We love worship in the Philippines. Philippines is one of the premier nations in the world as far as worship. We sometimes uh, tell who our members are. If you're going to be a disciple in the church, if you can stand and worship for one or two or three hours, (laughs) then you're a member of the church. But think about that. God is looking for those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we who are missionaries are the extension of the church. We are the thermometer, the barometer, the gauge of the love of lost souls by the church. The more missionaries the church sends out, the more the churches pray for missionaries and pray for the lost is a gauge of the heart of the church, which is God's heart for the lost. The whole center of the gospel is the cross, for God so loved the world. Today, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome in this place, Holy Spirit, come. Blow upon your people. Lord, ignite that fire of the Holy Spirit that you gave to the First Testament church. We thank you, Father God, for the new thing that you're doing. Lord, we thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for the new thing that you're doing in rivers. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that our name reveals our character, our character reveals our destiny. We thank you, Father God, that this is not just a river church, but it is a river's church, Father. We thank you, Father God, that it's not just the river of life, but, Lord, that you are making every member a minister, every minister a ministry, Father God. Lord, that they are receiving from the river of life, Father God, and each of them, Father God, are receiving the water of God, and they are flowing with the Spirit. There is a very specific word uh, that the Lord gave me for uh, this church today. Uh, My wife gave a a word of encouragement to the pastor and pastora, but I also have a word for you. And as I share this word uh, for you, it's also for the body of Christ, um, and it's also about what God is now doing. We are not just in a prophetic new season, but we are in a whole different relationship, whole different way of relating to God, because God has actively intervened in with the nations of the world. He is bringing leaders up, and he's bringing them down. In 5777, uh, it was called in the Hebrew calendar the year of the sword. And in that year, uh, we, we began to have our primary elections, and then the elections of a new president. And in that year of the sword, 5777, that 777, God's perfect number, seven for the Father, seven for the Holy Spirit, seven for the Son. So we saw... Uh, God's perfect administration and his government begin to take over nations. And by the grace of God, 
the sword was began, began to be realized by the church, the sword of truth. And the church began to fight for its destiny, fight before the uh, elections, realizing that this may be our very last chance to, to bring America back into the destiny that God foreordained for America to have when the pilgrims and the Puritans came and dedicated uh, through the Mayflower Compact in 1620, that this one was a, be a nation under God. Not only that, but their intention, the original uh, religious leaders that came, that America was to be the new Jerusalem on a physical level and as much as possible to be modeled that way in conduct of life and conduct of government. And so we have a great destiny far beyond what we can think or imagine. And so we as a people, as innocents, began to contend that righteousness would come forth. And by the grace of God, um, a president was elected that maybe a lot of us didn't agree with. Because we as Christians always want to elect a Christian pastor. But God's ways are far above ours. His thoughts are far above ours. And he is putting men in strategic positions around the world in order for one thing, that God wills that none should perish, that Christians will seize the day. They will rise up and begin to run with their destiny, to run with horses and chariots, and to begin to fulfill the purpose of God that God has ordained for each nation of the world. What happened in America also happened in the Philippines uh, a few months earlier. And so all of a sudden, this sort of the truth is coming out during this year of 577, and all of a sudden, our new president is talking about fake news, fake news, fake news. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And all of a sudden, there was this wide division, this wide division of, uh, even Pastor mentioned it today, uh, between dark and light, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. All of a sudden, in America, there was... Hatred. There was all this stuff because why? The spirit of righteousness was rising up. The spirit of truth was rising up. And the Christian church uh, began to be unified and began to understand what God was doing with America once again. Because what God is doing with America entails what God is wanting to do with the rest of the world and with Israel. And it entails what we are now at that point. In September 20th and 21st, of, 57, uh, of 2017, we entered a new Hebrew calendar year, 5778. And that is a year of the open gate. Meaning to say that as we as Christians prayed and fasted and as God has honored the tears and the intercessions of saints and churches in years past, all the way back to our founding, he has honored them and by that grace, we are, he is given an open gate. And this gate is one that is open. I open a door which no man can shut. And it's this time now for us to enter in and to go in and to possess the land, to remove the squatters in the land, that God is raising us back up as a beacon and a light to the nations, not as uh, to promote... Uh, and uh, export Follywood and all the liberal anti-life uh, 
issues. As a missionary, we, you may not realize how much American, the U.S. State Department has interfered with co uh, the countries and has extorted and blackmailed them that they cannot get foreign funds unless they begin to change their moral stance. Pro-abortion, uh, transgenderism, and all that. Uh, the former government uh, worked havoc in Nigeria, and it's destroy destroyed nations by its policies. But God said, enough is enough. He has answered the cries of the Nigerians. He's answering the cries of the Filipinos and, and every nation, and people are rising up. Uh, it's an amazing story of God's grace working. When we first came to the Philippines, we were privileged, as few missionaries were, to see the power and the demonstration and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And I said, we were just kind of new. I mean, even though we went to Assembly of God Bible School and everything, they didn't teach any of that. Because every time the Holy Spirit was manifesting uh, in our meetings, we had to go, God, where is that in the Bible? And he would show us some obscure scriptures <laughs> and all sorts of things. But we had become a praying people. A, pray, uh, a people of the word become a praying people, and a praying people become a prophetic people, and a prophetic people become an apostolic people. And we are at that point now as the church of Jesus Christ of becoming an apostolic people, that we're going through the open gate, that God has put a covering upon us for a time, and I don't know how long that time is, because if the church does not awake and see what God is doing and how he is actively, actively intervening in the world, we are going to fall by the wayside. But if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart of compassion, we are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so when that open gate began in 5778, on September 21st, as God is moving, the enemy is also moving. The United Nations, or you can think one world government in, in some aspects of that, announced their slogan for the, this coming year, going into 2018. They said this slogan for this year for the United Nations and for the world is peace and safety. Now, if you read your Bible, St. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, when they, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction. So we see now everything has unfolded. Everything in the prophetic seasons uh, since the beginning is now unfolding. Uh, the tree of life, the church, is now arising. The fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, are now in fruition. And now we see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is no darkness now. There is no gray areas now. It's either dark or it's light. And people have to make a decision. Now, there is such a contrast. But before, when there's little contrast between light and dark and all these gray areas, people don't make a decision. Just like in the day of Elijah, when he came and he said, listen, choose whom you will serve. But the people said nothing. But he was a god of fire, and he called down fire. When there is a contrast, then all of a sudden people can know the difference between what is a Christian and who is not a Christian. When the church comes out of the world, when it decides not to be comfortable anymore, to make itself intentionally uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel, for souls to be saved, then we see the manifestation of the power of God. What good is it to have the gifts in the church 
when there's a world of tears outside our doors dying. It's not for us. The gifts of the Spirit are for to equip us, empower us to go out into this world, to win Yuba City, to win California to the Lord. Can, can, can a nation be saved in a day? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. And so when we came, uh, we were in the midst of a communist revolution. One little white family, my wife and I and four kids, the only white people in the whole state, the whole province. And this is where God put us in his infinite wisdom. Greenhorns, loving God but not knowing what to do, where to go, how to do it. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Amen? And so the communists from the first day wanted us dead. Uh, predominantly a Catholic nation, and so all the Catholics called us a cult, a sect, because only the Roman Catholic is, uh, church is a true church. You don't hear that much in America, but Latin America, uh, Asia, where the Catholic church is, uh, is truly manifest. Uh, that is it. Um, and so I did not know if I was going to be alive the next day. That was the situation we're in. So what do you do? You pray. You pray and you pray. God is looking for desperate prayers. God is looking for desperate Christians who want nothing less than Jesus Christ. How did we begin the ministry? We began with people who were drunkards, rice farmers, coconut gatherers, just ordinary people. Had never been outside their province, never seen an airplane, never been in an elevator, never been in an escalator. This is a use what you have. Use the little things that God has given you and God will make it much. Don't wait for the big ministry to come. Don't wait for that. Begin where you are. That's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we began where we are, praying, more praying. Communists had infiltrated the churches looking for the leaders. And so from the very beginning, every member was a minister, every minister was a ministry. Because if we were dead and they cut off the heads, would the church die? Not if you who are the members, because Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that the pastor and the fivefold ministry equips you to do the work of the ministry, is equipping you. You are to run with the pastor's vision to carry out what God's lighthouse has given to you. Hallelujah. And so we began to see, because we were desperate for the survival of Christianity, the very few Christians in our province filled with witchcraft, corruption, uh, the communist insurgents were everywhere, infiltrating the churches. Uh, most of the pastors had been killed or run off. And we were just a big target because we were about two feet taller than anybody else. Uh, it's a monoculture. Everyone is brown-skinned, black-haired, uh, black brown, brown eyes. And we were white, blue eyes, Barbie and Ken dolls. But we used what we have and we began to pray and we began to teach, teach people. There was so much persecution from the few churches that were there. We were teaching on, 
on praise and worship. We were teaching on prayer. And people, the churches and pastors would come to us and say, why teach on prayer? There's no need to teach on prayer. Why teach on praise and worship? There's no need to teach on that. So even from uh, the church, we were getting persecution. But we persevered in spite of it all. We don't look at our circumstances. We don't look at the Goliath, but we look at the bigness of God standing behind our Goliath. And when we do see our Goliath, we just don't take one stone to slay him. David took five stones. Because later on you'll find in that story that Goliath had four other brothers. We, we, we pray and we act with strategic diligence. We saw the fire of God come on our church. We saw the place where we prayed shaken. We saw the Holy Spirit as a dove coming into the midst of the congregation. We saw in one day as we had outreached in our Good News clubs to different parts of our city, and we went to each portion, we saw 1,000 children, some of them not hardly able to speak in their native language, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We saw a transformation begin to take place. God gave us a prophetic mantle for the Philippines, and we took our ragtag band of no-name, faceless uh, intercessors, former farmers, coconut gatherers, took them to Manila. And during a strategic time when the Philippines was being shaken and the U.S. bases were going out, uh, American armed forces were going out, and there was no covering over the Philippines, uh, intercessors had gathered to pray. They didn't know that the, that was the same time that the U.S. decided to move out of their basis. And so there was a prayer covering because God is in control. And if people are listening, and if intercessors are listening, shall I hide from Abraham? Shall I hide from rivers of life the thing which I'm about to do? And the answer is no, I'm going to share with you. And we stood. They had invited us to give a report. And in all the provinces, I think there's like 80 provinces in the Philippines, were giving their reports and they forgot about us. Our province was the least of all the peoples, just like Gideon, least of all. And they forgot about us. And then they're ready to close up, and then somebody says, oh, uh, we forgot Surigao. And so they invited us to come up. And I could have given a nice report about what God had done, the amazing things that God had done, the transformations that were taking place, uh, the New Testament manifestations. But the Spirit of God came upon me, and I spoke a word that changed the nation, and they began to run with the vision. They were ready to close the meeting, but the meeting went on for another two hours after that. And I had a bamboo cover on my Bible, and at one point, one of the pastors came up and said, yes, what, what the pro prophecy said is what we need to receive, that the Philippines is to be a burning bush for Asia and a missionary sending nation to the world. And yes, America has been our Elijah, and we are the Elisha. And we, we want you to give that mantle of America, and that mantle of missions, and that mantle of leadership and teaching of the gospel to us. So give this Bible. And so this Bible started being passed around with about 500 intercessors. And, just, and I didn't see it for several hours. <laughs> and then one of the pastors said, I believe we're supposed to uh, sing the Filipino national anthem. And it was the most amazing thing because we had been there for five years now. 
and the people sang the Philippine National Anthem, but there was really no heart, no spirit. They sang it out of rote. But the pastors, amazing thing, they all got up on their chairs, and they began to sing the national, their Philippine National Anthem. And for the first time, there was this spirit of unity, uh, of nationalism, uh, uh, more importantly, of unity in the spirit, that there was a purpose for their nation, other than just being a nation, that God had given them uh, a, a vision with a mission, and a mission with a vision to reach the lost. And so, from that point, the Philippines has been running with that vision. Now, I said that all to say this, that there is a very specific word for you today. We, we mentioned that 5778 is a year of the open gate. Uh, we've also come into our own calendar uh, that the Western world uses of 2018. And, that, and the meaning of 2018 is eye wall. We have our eye looking at things, but we have a wall, a protective wall around it. Meaning to say that we are to be with Jesus in the center of every storm. That Jesus is our peace, and we are to be in the center, not to look at the circumstances, but as Jesus said over and over and over again, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray, and obey. Why? Because this year marks suddenlies. Suddenlies are going to happen. The Holy Spirit is just reminding me right now of one. The big bombshell that just came the other day from Little Rocket Man, that uh, they want to enter into peace talks with our president. I don't know if you've heard that. Amazing thing, whether that will come to pass, but the fact that they have said this. Amazing, uh, suddenly. But suddenlies are coming. And God wants his church to be watching and praying and obeying, to hear that still small voice of when to move and when not to move, when to go in and when to come out. Because we are at this time now of what I believe, that I've been longing for all my life, that Joel spoke about in, in, uh, in the book of Joel, chapter 2 and chapter 3. This is that which was spoken of, but as Peter rephrased it. This is that. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he begins to give the, revel uh, the gifts being poured out, of uh, visions, of dreams, of prophecy. And I asked the Lord, why these gifts? He didn't mention healings. He didn't mention uh, all these other types of uh, the faith gifts and so forth and so on. But it was all the revelation gifts that were being poured out. Why? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's because I want my people to be in complete agreement with me. Because in the book of Revelations, we see in the final verses, uh, the Holy Spirit says, come. The bride of Christ says, come. That there is one mind, one purpose, and one accord. That we are in complete agreement with the Holy Spirit. That we have the mind of Christ of what we're going to do. And, it, and then it tells me this, that in the final verses of Joel, it says, um, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Meaning to say that there is such an open heavens that there is a season of time, a kairos moment, when the heavens are opened, when the final great harvest has come, and I believe that we have entered into it this year, that this is a beginning, that we are walking now through that gate. And there's a lot of reasons for that. On December 6, 2017, 
Donald Trump trumpeted the will and purpose of God when he declared that Jerusalem was now and always will be the eternal capital of Israel. So the age of Gentiles is now being shifted. We're coming to the end of that, and Israel is coming to forefront again, as they must. We were just in Israel last year celebrating the 50th anniversary, the jubilee anniversary of Jerusalem as a unified capital, again, uh, recognized by their own peoples. Now the greatest power on the earth has recognized that and God's purposes. And then Donald Trump, again, does a, a double whammy, so to speak, and declaring that we will move our embassy suddenly. He was talking 2019. And then all of a sudden it's changed in a matter of time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I didn't even see this before. Hallelujah. <laughs> to May. So it's going to be on the anniversary of the Independence Day of 1948 in May. So all of a sudden the embassy is going to be there. Time is moving quickly. Uh, this year, 2018, is a 4,000th year anniversary of the Abrahamic Covenant. When God first revealed to Abraham, Abram, I'm going to make you, and then I'm going to bless you. And isn't that the sanctified life? Isn't that how we uh, receive our marching orders? God first makes us, and then he blesses us. And in this uh, Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3, there's a five-fold blessing and a seven-fold promise. And the end of that blessing, the end of that Abrahamic covenant, it says, Abraham, in you, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that was fulfilled with the coming of the Messiah and his death upon the cross, that whomsoever will come unto me, all you. Wow. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There it is, the heart of God. And so I, for you, Rivers, today, I want to say, out of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 48, 47, God is saying to you, this is a day of decision for you. He's laying it all down before you. The Holy Spirit takes Ezekiel to the temple and he shows Ezekiel there is a water trickling out of the base of the temple. But then Ezekiel is led and says, uh, led by the Spirit and he's told, let's walk uh, 1,715, 50 cubits. And so he begins measuring. And all of a sudden, this trickle has become a wider river, ankle deep. Let's go and walk some more. 1,750. All of a sudden, it's become up to the knees and the thighs. And all of a sudden, let's walk 1,750 more. And it comes up to his waist. But then the challenge for you is this. We've been there, done that. We've had our Pentecostal experiences, and we've done our four-square obligations and religion and everything else that we do as, as good, quote, Christians. But we are at the point with God now, and this church, that the Spirit brought him back to the bank, and when Ezekiel looked, there were trees on both sides of the rivers, all of a sudden, and, and the river was rising. All of a sudden, there was life. And the, and the Bible verse says, wherever the waters flow, life comes forth. Well, it's not just water now. Wherever the waters flow. 
And so you've had that river of life. And prophetically, you have named yourself and declared that your name reveals your character, your character reveals your destiny, that you're not just a river, but you're rivers. Remember in the book of Genesis in the garden, there was only one river coming out of the garden, but then it divided into four. God is a God of multiplication. And he wants you to multiply his image and likeness in all those who are around you. And so the word for you today is a challenge. Because Ezekiel was halted because he said, oh, now the river is too deep. And it's deep enough for swimming. But there's kind of a hanging. And it's kind of like the Old Testament. It's a hanging. But in the New Testament, God has opened everything for us. And he's saying, are we going to uh, let go and let God? When Jesus said, go into all the world, go is the first two letters of God's name. And every man of God and woman of God in the Old Testament Whenever he speaks to him, what's he saying? Go, arise, stand up. So what have we been doing? We've been sleeping or we've been on the floor and he has to tell us, get up and go. That's when the miracles begin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the challenge here for you today, church, Yuba City has a unique destiny. There is a unity that has come to Sutter and to uh, Yuba City because there is a heritage of prayer warriors who have given their life to prayer through the years, and you are beginning to reap that. There is a unity. There is a very present sense of God wanting to change uh, California what a transformation would happen on a nation if California was to change. Amen. Hallelujah. Gold, God, and glory. So the challenge is uh, for you today. Rivers Church. Are you going to allow yourself to be one of the rivers? Are you going to allow yourself to flow out of this temple and to touch your world? wherever God has put you. Because I can guarantee, and I believe with all my heart, that we are at this is that, the final great harvest before he comes. And I could lay so many more things and evidences upon you concerning this. But the most important thing is Jesus. For God so loved the world. It's all about him. Everything we do, we must decrease that he may increase. All of you, John said, none of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to just invite Pastor Doug to come back because I believe that he has the anointing for this church to lead you in the way that God wants to lead you. Well, church, you received that word. Amen. That we're to be rivers extending out, that what we do after church is more important than sometimes what happens here, right? I want to maybe paint things on the door. You're entering your mission field, right? Because right? this is just preparing ground, but when we walk out those doors is when the real thing starts happening.
where the rubber meets the road and we and our faith has to be exercised and our and our faith has to be shown to others. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a, an offering for this ministry. If you want to give to that, uh, make a check out to uh, the Rivers, and we'll give them one check. So if that's something on your heart to do for them, um, all these, all the money taken in this offering right now will go towards the Philippine missions and going to plant churches over there and doing all that good stuff. So if that's on your heart, please do that, and we're going to pray over that. And then uh, before we do that, um, I just want to thank everybody here for um, your faithfulness and your, um, and your heartbeat for this church. Uh, there's a lot of, of words that are coming and prophetic words that have been spoken over the church in the last few months about what God's going to do here. And so I'm really excited about what God has for us. And are you guys excited about what God has for us? Amen. So I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled and I'm so excited that you guys are, because it really takes a, a, a church um, and, and people and individuals to make up that, that foundation. You talked about laying a foundation and it's really important that we get a strong foundation here at the rivers as we go forward to what God wants to do. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity uh, to give. Lord, thank you for, um, Lord, this, uh, these missionaries, God, that have given their lives for you. And Lord, we thank you for all the great works that are going on in the Philippines, all the churches that are being planted and all the lives that are being touched and all the things that are changing, God, for, for your kingdom in that country, God. And we want to be a part of that. So, God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just uh, take these uh, offerings for that mission, God, and just bless it, Lord, and bless them, Lord, and use it for your kingdom, Lord, in, in the Philippine Islands, Father. And, Lord, we just pray that you would remind us by your spirit to lift them up in prayer to God, that we would know, knowing that prayer is the foundation, the strength that we all need, God, and that without a prayerful covering beforehand, Lord, there is no victory, Lord. So prayer has to come first, God. So we, we thank you for that, and we ask by your spirit, Lord, that you would remind us to lift them up and their pastors over there and their churches, Lord, up to you in prayer, God, that we would fight the good fight and we would speak blessings over them, God, and use the things that we've learned in your word, Lord, to declare over them, God, the blessings that you have for them, God. And we just pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen? Amen. amen. Hey, don't forget, guys, to sign up for the, a lot of things that are coming up in the future here, um, especially baptism. If you know anyone that hasn't been baptized and wants to, make sure you let them know that that's going to be available for them. Um, that's something we believe in water, baptism, full immersion. I know if you grew up Catholic and you got sprinkled, um, you might want to get fully baptized and just do that out of an act of faith. So um, you're welcome to do that. So God bless. We love you guys. And uh, we're going to start our financial piece in a few minutes. So um, would you guys stand up with me real quick? Okay. Okay, so I was kind of fighting back and forth whether or not to share this. Sorry, sit down again. <laughs> It'll be quick, I promise. So on this, this morning on the way to church, I was just thinking and stuff, just driving. And God was talking to me about a river has to flow, and a river has to have action, and a river has to do stuff. It has to go somewhere. And if it doesn't, it's a swamp. Yeah, so I think it goes along with what you were saying. We've been in this church for a long time. There's people that have been here a while, people that are new. But if we don't keep flowing, we don't keep doing, we don't keep affecting out there, it is absolutely not about in here. This is where we get ready for out there. So if we're all about here, we're doing it wrong. Church, we have to be flowing, we have to be reaching, we have to be changing. Um,
That's, that's good. That's good. You know, uh, Pastor Don did say uh, something about the equipping of the saints, and that goes confirming with you, uh, Kelly, is that we're here to get ready to do something out there. So if we come here and that's all we do, it's not worth it. So, and, and that's one of my roles as your pastor is to help you get equipped for that. And so the reason we're talking about things like spiritual warfare, about worship or prayer or whatever we're teaching, um, Pastor Eric talked about drifting a couple months ago. Whatever we're talking about here is to help you and prepare you to do work outside these four walls. So, amen? 